study the word face in the scriptures. Look up all instances where it says face, and you'll see there's three subjects. One is seeking the face of God. So when we are in a righteous state, we see and try to seek the face of God. Another is God hiding his face from us if we are in a wicked state. And the other kind of similar to that would be us hiding our face from God. And so again, wicked state. I think we're in a wicked state in our society. Welcome to After Hours with Dr. Sigaloff. On this podcast, you will be encouraged to question everything and to have the courage to stand for the truth. And now, to your host, Dr. Sigaloff. Thank you for joining me again. I want to first start off by thanking my uh, Patreon supporters, that we have a $20.20 level uh, with an anonymous family donor. I want to thank all the Plandemic Reprimando donors at $17.76 a month with Ty, Charles, Tinfoil, Stanley, Dr. Anna, Frank, Brian, Shell, and Megan. Uh, Kevin has made his own $10 a month level. The Refined Not Burned level at $5 a month with Linda, Emmy, Joe, Pat and Bev, PJ, Rebecca, Marcus, Elizabeth, Dawn, Jennifer, Ken. We have Addison Mulder, who made his own level at $3 a month. We have Frank with $1.50 a month. And Encourages Contagious at $1 a month with Amanda, Jay, Spesnasty, Darrell, Susan, BB King, and Rick. If you want to have your name announced here, please look at Patreon. Consider supporting. Thank you for all the donations that you've given through Give, Send, Go. Still fighting this battle. Now, my next guest, very special guest, we never met each other before all of this COVID started, even though we went to the same residency program. He started as I graduated. And so we have that connection, even though we never met each other until about a, a year into my fight. And I get a, a text message and then we have a phone conversation. He's, he tells me, I want to quit lying. I don't want to live in lies anymore. What do I need to do to quit wearing the mask when I see patients? Kyle Robbins, Dr. Kyle Robbins. Pleasure to have you on. Great to see you face to face for the first time. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to be here. So, so, if, so tell I, me your story. Tell me what happened. All your podcasts, and I'm excited. <laughs> yeah, just like basically everyone else, that all of your followers from the very beginning, things were a little fishy. All the mandates, all the measures that we were taking, it didn't make sense. Why are we quarantining healthy people? Why are we? masking people that are asymptomatic? Why are we shutting down free speech and all this stuff? I had my concerns from the very beginning. And even at the, from the start, there was plenty of research out there to show that masks don't help. I guess I, I did what we're supposed to do. And so I was compliant and everything. But then they started coming out with the vaccine and I, along with everyone else, a few others, chose to not get the vaccine. It was actually interesting. They called us all together. You know, so if you recall, back in, in uh, 2020, we were all isolated. It was hard to find out who was awake and who wasn't, who was for the vaccine and who wasn't, because if you spoke out, then you could get canceled. You could get, it was just a hostile environment. But they called us together to have our counseling, anyone that put in an accommodation or was refusing the vaccine called us together to get our counseling for that. 
which was actually a blessing because I met some other people that were like-minded. Some uh, that works at my clinic and Major O as a psychiatrist. So we were actually able to get to know each other. We, um, I had not met them prior to this. And so made new friends and then started networking. And uh, recall there's, I think, an Army Times article that talked about the, the underground networks of the COVID conspirers or whatever. And it was true. A little to inform that a bit more. So some of those guys that you ran into, they had reached out to me a couple months prior. So this is maybe July uh-huh. of I think it was 21. I could be mistaken, but I think it was July of 21. I was in a closed Facebook group for military physicians, mostly army physicians. And the administrator, who's a full bird colonel, silenced me for about a week in that chat group because I was causing so much drama because people were harassing me. So they silenced me because I was being harassed. And that led to a physician reaching out to me. And then they had a little texting group. And then that blossomed into what I ended up calling the Nehemiah group. And it's this texting group of about uh, probably 30 or so, mostly active duty, mostly physicians. And it was a way that we could encourage each other. Now, I'm not going to mention any names of anyone who's in that chat group because some of them, most of them are out of the military at this point, but some of them are still in the military. And it's just a way that we can encourage each other. That Times article you were talking about makes it sound like we were trying to overthrow the government. Not at all. We were just trying to encourage each other because there was a concerted effort to separate, divide, isolate, and then attack us. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And there's a, I feel, I believe everyone in the group is faith-based, Christian, believes strongly in God, and that is the moral compass for all of them. And like you said, it was a place for us to come together to seek that refuge. And one more thing about that group um, is it's not only unvaxxed people. There, There's a few physicians that are vaxxed. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is one that we did have to remove from the group because it just wasn't the right group for him. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, so that that's the early on COVID phase. I put in a religious accommodation for that. And it was interesting because I didn't know what to include in that, but I put in my RA. That was two years ago. I think it was, if I recall, it was August 15th. And, and if you use I any acronyms, heard... can you explain them? Oh yeah. Religious accommodation. RA. I have not heard anything back from the army on that at all. No initial appeals or denials or anything. Just went up into the ether and I don't know. Did human resources, did they get that or did they not? Who knows? But yeah, so I I had that, that religious accommodation submitted. Shortly after that, they decided to implement uh, mandatory testing twice weekly, which I also fought because that's unlawful. There's no medical reasoning behind it. I was asymptomatic. I was perfectly healthy. No cough, no sniffles, nothing like that. Um, and why, like, why are we doing this? It was it absolutely was vindictive. You didn't get the vax. You are going to get a swab shoved up your nose. So I fought that. I told my command, hey, this it's not lawful. These are emergency use authorized. They aren't fully tested. We don't know everything about these. The law prohibits it. And they fought it. They they argued with me. I actually talked to a couple of lawyers and they agreed with me that, yeah, it's not lawful, but though you're in a losing battle. So I didn't get tested for 
a week and a half, three of those, and I got counseled each time. And then I got the threat that if you keep on declining the test, we're going to have to escalate this and it's going to have some pretty serious negative outcome. And so again, I talked to the lawyers and they're like, yeah, it's a losing battle. And I caved on that and I got tested a few times, but then interestingly enough, I think this mandate only lasted like a month and a half or something, actually probably a month. And then they rescinded it. So I continued on working in the clinic. And I don't think I mentioned, I work at Desmond Doss out in Hawaii, Schofield Barracks. I work at an urgent care. Yeah. If anyone's sick, we're the ones seeing them. If they feel like they have COVID, we see them. The embedded clinics, they are pretty good, but we are walk-in, so we'll take anyone. The other thing I wanted to mention with the vaccine, I was pretty outspoken with my medics. I have a great relationship with all of them and, and the nurses and stuff. And I would say at least half of my medics did not want to get the jab. But when push came to shove, the deadline came, I show up to work, I had not gotten the shot, and all of my medics had gotten it, and um, all the nurses except for one, one civilian. Um, and so that, that just broke my heart because I was a major at the time. You know, there, there's plenty of people that outrank me, but I have, you know, as a major, you have a little bit of clout. Um, whereas these medics, they're specialists, sergeants they felt like they had no other options. They felt like they could not stand up for themselves. They had to do what Big Army said to do, um, which was sad. They all got vaccinated. Thankfully, none of them have had bad outcomes from it, which we are seeing a lot of in the Army now, in the military. But as far as I'm aware, even the ones that have PCS or ets thankfully nobody has myocarditis or anything like that. So let's see. So that's the early stages of COVID. Again, going throughout the, the whole, that whole time, I was irritated with all the mandates that were going on and the mask and the silencing, the propaganda against cheap and effective medications like hydroxychloroquine, which had been shown to be effective against SARS-1 and ivermectin, which both of those medications have ample studies showing their effectiveness. But yeah, just irritated and confused as to why we we were so close-minded, focused on just the vaccine. In March of 2022, after lots of study, lots of fasting and prayer, seeking guidance from God, I decided, you know what? I, I can't do this anymore. I took the Hippocratic Oath, which said, do no harm, and people are coming to me looking for medical guidance. And if I'm there wearing a mask, talking, you know, talking to them so they can't see me, can't hear me, you, you can't connect with I'm a hypocrite if I do that. I believe that it's not helpful and it's harmful, and the evidence suggests that. It's pretty, you know, solid that it's it's harmful and it, it's ineffective. And if I wear a mask, then I'm portraying a falsehood and perpetuating that falsehood. So Again, it wasn't just the medical evidence, the the research that solidified my, my decision, but it was praying to God, getting his guidance, because I don't think I could have just done it with my intellectual knowledge, because I'm, I'm definitely lacking a lot in that area. But so I decided I'm, I'm going to stop wearing the mask. And 
I got a little little pushback from my OIC. He's a, a great friend of mine. He had, he gave me a few gentle reminders. Oh, you, you got to ma- wear a mask up. Policy is to wear a mask. And I just, yeah, didn't follow. I was never rude, never or anything like that, but I just never wore it. And so I did that for three months. Yeah. Let me pause you for a second, because I want to make it clear that I have a previous guest that came on, and he actually went to court-martial and was convicted for not testing and not wearing a mask. And both of those, these tests and the masks, were covered under emergency use authorization, meaning under 10 U.S.C., 1107 Alpha, it is unlawful and illegal to tell a service member to use any product that's covered under emergency use authorization. So you had the law on your side. I want to let all the listeners understand that it doesn't matter if it's a policy of the clinic. The policy of the clinic cannot supersede United States federal code. Yeah. Yep. At the time, I actually didn't realize that the masks were EUA, emergency use authorized. But yeah, so I went without the mask for three months. And then in May of 2022, they clinic commander came walking through and he saw me without a mask. Funny enough, he, he didn't really approach me himself or try to correct me himself. He sent that, that down his chain of command. <laughs> I, I don't know. But uh, yeah, so the next day, my OIC talks to me. He says, hey, command saw you without a mask. We need you to wear a mask. And then I hop on my computer, check Outlook, and the deputy commander had sent an email, a uh, mass email to the whole clinic saying, hey, this is the policy. We all need to wear a mask. So I was like, obviously this is directed at me. So I went and talked to, I wanted to talk to the clinic commander, but got routed to the, the deputy commander and told him my reasoning. Uh, I, was, I told him, I was like, hey, I can't, this is not an order I can follow. They are, masks are ineffective and they are harmful. We've, we didn't understand the harms of masks at the beginning of the pandemic. But we do now. We've seen significant issues, not, I would say, mostly in children. There's a huge increase in speech impediments and cognitive delays. We are social creatures. God designed us to interact with one another. And for a kid to only see this all the time, they are not going to develop appropriately. They aren't going to learn how to speak. They aren't going to learn social interactions. They're just going to have troubles. And I don't, we don't know, but I don't think that they will ever fully correct from that. We'll see. I gave him that reasoning. I asked for some accommodations. Anyone who is coming into the clinic with COVID symptoms, we have them marked as virtual. So we would give them a call and talk to them. And if we deemed that they needed to come in, we'd bring them in. But otherwise, we typically just would test them and, and send them on their way, send them home with quarters. Um, so I asked to just do the virtual stuff. And that that was, I'd say that was probably a third of our uh, patient load. So a pretty significant portion. So if we're seeing, uh, if we have four or five providers, I'm seeing a third of them. So I thought that was pretty fair, but he didn't want that. And so sent me back to the clinic, but I was not allowed to enter the, the clinic without a mask. And so there was a fun little a couple days where I tried working out on the ambulance bay and that's not what they wanted. And I, I eventually got sent home for a week while they deliberated and tried to decide what to do with me. 
Um, is this when you were seeing patients during that outside? time? Yeah, I I saw patients outside. So I love it. Um, love the workarounds. Yeah. Yeah, it's weird. At one point, I was actually sitting in my car in the parking lot, calling patients. I was like, "This is so dumb." <laughs> and I was—it was summer. I was baking, so hot, and so that's when they sent me home. But <laughs> during that time, I actually submitted a religious accommodation for the mask, and I would encourage all of your listeners to do this: study the word "face" in the scriptures. Look up all instances where it says "face." And you'll see there's three, three themes there, or three subjects. So one is seeking the face of God. So when we are in a righteous state, we see and try to seek the face of God. Another is God hiding his face from us if we are in a wicked state. And the other kind of similar to that would be us hiding our face from God. And so again, wicked state. And I think we're in a wicked state in our society. We are embracing all sorts of falsehoods and evil and promoting it. And I think this is a literal hiding our face from God. And so I submitted that to my command and I, I don't think it got anywhere. It was actually during this time that I, I reached out to you, Mark Bashaw, and you connected me with Davis Yance and a few other freedom fighting attorneys. And that's actually when I found out that all masks are under emergency use authorization. So by law cannot be mandated. So of course, upon hearing that I submitted that I told, I told my command about that. The response was, this was vetted by the army attorneys. So it's fine. It's like, all right. It's you giving that order, not them. So probably something you want to look into but yeah so that got dismissed also so anyways i got sent home for a week while they tried to decide what to do with me if you remember i requested for accommodations to do the virtual so after punishing me they decided yeah we're going to do the virtual so they sent me to a remote clinic desmond doffs for those that have been there you'll know this but it's shaped in a u so you got the urgent cares like down here they sent me all the way up to this clinic up here. So I was on the second floor in the very back, very like very last hallway or very last office in that hallway. It's, there, there's a few public health nurses that work there, but otherwise there's it's a non-patient care area. Nobody goes up there. And my instructions were, you're gonna go up here, you're gonna go to your office, you're not gonna talk to anyone, and you're just going to call virtual patients, which, Isolation is also a an unlawful order. They don't have that. Ostracization. Um, Ostracize someone is, is illegal and unlawful as well. Mm -hmm. Yes. So now, did I follow that? No, I actually became really good friends with those public health nurses. And I was a little apprehensive at first because they're public health. And so my thought was, oh, they're seeing all these cases of COVID. And when all these positive COVID, you're going to think things are worse than they are uh, on the ground. So I thought they I thought they'd be following the narrative, but it turned out I was sitting in my office one day and I hear one of the guys talking about shoot what's it called when when you change a virus to be more harmful. Oh the, the mutations. No, I 
whatever the Wuhan lab was doing. They they changed oh, the, it to make uh, gain more of function. Yes, I hear gain of function research, and I was like, Ding. let me, let me go talk <laughs> to him. He's obviously awake. And then I talked to a few others, and yeah, so I actually end up becoming pretty good friends with them. But yeah, so while I was up there, I, I continued to call all the virtuals, virtual appointments, and it made me laugh because of all of the providers in the urgent care. I'm the most likely to say, hey, you know what? COVID's just influenza. You don't need to test because for a 25-year-old guy that has flu-like symptoms, if you have the flu, I'm not going to test you because it's not going to change anything. If you have COVID, I'll do the same thing. I'll send you home because you're feeling like crud. But yeah, it made me laugh that I was the one taking care of the COVID patients. But yeah, so I was up there. I don't even remember how long I was isolated in my um, office. I definitely found plenty of time to swing down to the urgent care and hang out with the, the medics and nurses and stuff. But yeah, so during that time, I did get an Article 90. That was in June of now remind uh, us what 2022. Article 90 is. So that is failure to obey a lawful order from a commanding officer. Wow. So I got an is Article it, 90 for that. It's not a lawful yeah. order. It, it goes against uh, 10 USC 1107 Alpha. It's mind-blowing yep. what they're doing here yep and so I, I put that in my counseling statement for that that it's not a lawful order it's eua but this that resulted in a gomer general officer memorandum of reprimand that was in august and it again it made me Made laugh because in the gomer yeah. <laughs> yeah it's an honor to be in that club. But in that Gomer, they said, we're considering putting this in your permanent file. We will consider any rebuttal that you put in. My thought was, I've given you everything. I, I've told you that the masks are harmful. I've told you that they're ineffective. And more importantly, I've told you that order is unlawful. So, so whatever I submit, it's not going to change anything. So I was like, oh, let's just give that this option. Up. When I was given that option of, hey, watch out, this is going to go in your permanent file. I, my response was, my permanent file is not on earth. It's with our Lord in heaven. Mm -hmm. so that solidified it going yeah, into my earthly permanent file. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I'll frame that, Gomer. But, <laughs> yeah. So, and I don't know if this is policy everywhere, but I've heard it's policy here in Hawaii. Um, if you get a Gomer that automatically triggers an elimination. September, I got a memo saying that they're initiating my elimination and they were going to give me a general discharge characterization. So general under honorable conditions. Some of your listeners are, are not going to be military, but it goes honorable, then general, then other than honorable, and then dishonorable. So I never had any concern for a dishonorable or I, I guess there was some concern that I'm might get an other than honorable, but honestly, I, I think I've had a great military career and I deserve an honorable, honorable discharge. I talked to Davis Yance, my attorney, and we put in a resignation in lieu of the separation with a uh, requesting that I, I get an honorable. They declined that and then decided to send me to a BOI, a board of inquiry. So a board of inquiry is a legal case that is just in the military. So it has no legal standing outside the military. 
in it's basically the same because like I, I had my attorneys, there was the prosecuting attorneys, and then there was a board, so three panel members that determined my fate. Yeah, that was January of last year. Or no, January this year, sorry. And I'm super, super grateful and blessed to have had the support team that I had. Again, I mentioned Davis Yance, he was my attorney. And then I had the Troop Defense Services, Captain uh, Christopher Lynn and Specialist Alex uh, Van Wagner. They were my attorneys. I recall <clears throat> when I went to them initially, they heard that this guy, this fool, he just didn't want to wear a mask. But as I showed them, yeah, as I showed them the evidence, their minds were blown and they're like, Man, this guy's done his research. He actually knows what he's talking about, and he's right. It is emergency use authorized. It is unlawful, and you know, I think I got them really excited about it, and I guess all of TDS. So they were a great team. Really appreciated them. Yeah, yeah, to everyone that I worked with, yeah. I had a lot of help and support from you and Mark as well, and then and the Nehemiah group and some of these other chats that I, uh, I was working with but i got again he was uh, the that uh, works at my clinic but it, yeah I, I had some great support from from those in my clinic i had wendy howland she was a, a civilian nurse that worked with me and she was the one that didn't get the the vaccine she was yeah she testified in my behalf senior chief petty officer dixon brown he was in in the groups i had never met him before but he's just he's stalwart he's such he's a stud a... he flew himself out from california on his own dime i wow. asked him if i could pay for his flight and he's no i want them to know that this is important enough to me that i'm flying out Big and then he yeah he requested permissive tdy so that he wouldn't have to use up his leave but i think if i recall he had to use his own leave he contributed significantly to my cause, to the, or the cause in general. And he was a great support in that. And then I had Stephen Petty. So he is an industrial hygienist. So a, a lot of people think that doctors know about masks and prevention of infection and stuff. We don't get really taught that at all. Maybe briefly touch on it and stuff. We learn how to scrub into surgery and stuff like that. But an industrial hygienist, his job is literally to study how to stop the spread of infection or prevent people from getting sick in the community. And he's testified, I forget his numbers, but I think he's testified in like over 200 legal cases and stuff like that, and has been outspoken about the ways to mitigate risk in a pandemic. And, and the way to do that is good airflow. So work on your ventilation system, push the any virus out of the building and into open air. And then sunlight will kill the virus. So get outside. He says masks are not even on our algorithm. They aren't even in the pyramid of treatment options. So I had a great team that came and testified in my behalf. And honestly, I may be a little biased, but I think that anyone who had an open mind if they were sitting in that board, they would have determined that, yes, the masks are ineffective, they are harmful, and it was an unlawful order. Yeah, so we had the board, the three panel members deliberated, I think it was one lieutenant colonel and two colonels, and one of them 
interestingly enough, he was he implemented a lot of the the COVID measures. So somewhat of a conflict of interest there for him to say, oh yeah, my order was unlawful. I guess this guy's off the hook. He didn't it's recuse himself they from, put him on that the case. So very convenient. Yes, but they de- decided that it is. This is a direct quote from the president of the board, that same colonel. It is not our job to determine the legality of this order. And me and my two attorneys are just like, are you kidding me? What is the point of a board? Why did we have this if not to determine the legality of this case, of this order? Clear legal error there. First off, he should have recused himself. But I really just wanted to be like, sir. Simple question. Sorry, I'm simple-minded. How do we determine legality of orders? Where? What is the means to do that? But and if I can interrupt you for a second, yeah, you're a lawyer, Davis Yunts, phenomenal man. He actually defended a man, Bill Mosley, in uh, California at a board of inquiry, and they determined that the order to take the shot was illegal. But the problem, because it's a board of inquiry, it doesn't have legal standing, so it made no legal impact, even though. The colonels, the three colonels that were on that board, and go back and listen to when Davis Yunus was on this show, I think the first time, and he talks about this and how it was, they're like, oh man, this is an unlawful order. I gave an unlawful order. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Unfortunately, my board did not have that integrity to be able to call themselves out. Yeah, so we put in an appeal saying, hey, this is a legal error. We either want an honorable discharge, because they decide we're going to proceed with the general characterization. We either want an honorable discharge or a repeat BOI with board members that will do what they are supposed to. But Human Resources decided that they were going to decline my appeal and decide to proceed with separation. So, Did you ever get um, reported to DHA and the National Practitioner Data Bank? Did that ever that algorithm ever happened for you? Not that I'm aware of. I've never heard anything. So, okay. Thankfully. Yeah. So yeah, as of yesterday, uh, I got my DD-214 and I am out of the army now. So pretty excited about that. Yesterday was August 3rd, 2023. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yep, really excited. I I will say, because I think some people, as they as I tell them, they think that I hate the army or I didn't enjoy my experience um, with the army or or anything like that. I would say quite the contrary. If I were to go back and do things again, I would absolutely have um, joined the army again. I think I got a great experience, great education, great training. I got to go do a lot of fun things. We, you and I went to residency at Fort Benning and I was able to do airborne during one of my electives. Awesome. I don't know many doctors that, yeah, I don't know many doctors in, in the United States yeah, yeah, that have jumped out of a plane. I was a- also able to do jungle school out here and fries and spies repelling out of a helicopter. So yeah, a lot of cool things that I've been able to do. I've, I've met some amazing people. I, I think that especially our enlisted those that are boots on the ground, they are some great people that love this country and they will and, and have volunteered to sacrifice their lives for this nation. And so I'm grateful to have been associated with all of our soldiers. 
So yeah, I would absolutely repeat my steps. I would commission again with the Army. I would do my residency and training through the Army. I would have come out here to Hawaii and worked in the urgent care. I love my clinic. I love my the doctors I'm working with, the nurses, the medics, the support staff. I've had a great time. And I would also, even though in the I think in the long scheme of themes, did my stand change much? No, I think the Army is not going to change any policies because of it. I don't know that anyone in my clinic is going, I don't know, maybe it affected them. I hope that it may have inspired some to realize that, hey, they have freedoms that they can stand up for. Yeah, I, I think the only thing I probably would have changed is I probably would have fought it sooner. That's probably the only thing I would have changed. I agree with you. I think joining the Army was was a great choice. I think doing my residency at Benning was a phenomenal choice. I also got to become a five jump. I don't know if you've done more jumps since then. But what I think really is nope, a testament to... <laughs> I think it's a huge testament to, to Martin Army Community Hospital and the residency program there is with all this craziness that's going on and the incredibly small percentage of doctors that have stood up to do the right thing, they train two of them. And they may look at this the wrong way right now and say, man, we got two of those yahoos. But in reality, two of those men who were able to stand against this came out of that same program. So they're doing something right. Whereas I don't think there's mm -hmm. a single residency program that had two people stand against this come out of any other residency program. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, one one other thing, Wendy Howland, the, the nurse that testified on my behalf, also she actually pointed this out. But not too long ago, it was probably four, maybe five years ago, they changed the name of our clinic. It used to be Schofield Barracks Health Clinic, but now it's uh, Desmond T. Doss Health Clinic. Desmond T. Doss, if any of you have seen Hacksaw Ridge, he is the soldier that refused to carry a weapon during World War II. And he was attacked, he was persecuted, but he stood his ground. He knew that was his right to be able to fight peacefully in a war and be a support and help. And he saved countless lives, but he failed to follow a lawful order. And now he's honored for it. And so just the irony that they recently changed the name of our clinic to honor someone who failed to follow this order because it was unlawful, and now they're persecuting people for doing the same thing. I think it's a great role model, and I encourage every viewer to listener to go check out Hacksaw Ridge because that, that's a, definitely at least a one-time watch. But it's incredible to see the heart of this man who – he was a medic, and he climbed up – he scaled a cliff to pull wounded soldiers off of there – and save them. And he saved basically the whole unit. And he didn't carry a weapon the entire time. Mm -hmm. Yep. So, and it is our duty to disobey unlawful orders. Even if we think, hey, for example, with a mask, even if you think, hey, I think masks are helpful or whatever else, if it is unlawful, it is our duty to point out the unlawful nature of it. If you don't, then it's a snowball effect more unlawful orders will, will come and it'll just get bigger and, and harder. So, I hope that this episode in particular is a not only a, a lesson for people to study how it is to gain that courage as you did, 
but also to look to you as an example to do what you've done. To to be in, in it for a while and be like, you know what? I realize this is now illegal. I'm going to stop lying. I'm going to s- stop following unlawful orders and damn the torpedoes. It doesn't matter the price. I'm going to do it. And I commend you for that because I didn't really know what the price was going to be. I thought it'd be bad, but yeah, I did not get a general discharge. At least it hasn't happened yet, but I'm supposed to be getting an honorable discharge. And for you to to willfully step into the ring and to exit the military with a general discharge, I think is a huge win to your, or is is to your credit to show the world, look, I stood against this. And even though it took great personal cost to me and my family, because your family has to live off of whatever you can earn in the future. And this may have some impact on that. Hopefully, I pray it doesn't. I hope future employers, if they need to look back at this episode and say, no, that's the doctor we need to have in our clinic. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm actually glad you brought up family because my wife has definitely been a huge support. I I definitely could not have done this without her. It's interesting. So in Hawaii, I still see all sorts of heroes out there driving around alone with their mask, saving the world. It's just so ingrained into the population here that you just wear a mask. And I'm like, oh my gosh, what are these people thinking? But so back in, in March of 2022, when I, when I decided to, I needed to stop, my wife had already stopped wearing a mask. So she, she and my kids, they would come to church and not wear a mask. And they'd been doing that for a couple months, but I was in the bishopric in the leadership of the church. And so I sat up in front and I, so I had some conflictions. I was like, I'm sitting up in front and literally everyone in the crowd is wearing a mask. And so for me to go up without a mask, that just would bring, I don't know, I, I thought undue attention and make me out to be a, a rule breaker. But so my wife is, she's awesome. She's a saint. Um, and she fought that battle by herself for a long time. and was an inspiration to me to do what was right as well. Amazing. Now I have a question. Because typically when you serve a period of time, um, you then have to go into the inactive ready reserve. Did they absolve you of that obligation? So I've paid my eight years. So okay. I don't have to. Okay, good. Okay, good. Because that wouldn't that be something if they <laughs> made you stay in four years yeah. for the inactive? Yeah, I think with a, an involuntary separation, my understanding is that I can't recommission. Okay. I could be wrong, but yeah, it's not that I really want to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And for those of us, or for those of you out there that think, oh, what if our country needs us? If our country needs us that bad, then we'll be near our families to protect them and those around us. Absolutely. We won't need to go to some faraway place to fight a potential war that we may have no dog in that fight to lose our life in a foreign country for something that we have no dog in that fight. And we and our value system has diverged greatly from where the military is today. Absolutely. I feel like the wars that we're getting into now are corrupt wars and not they don't uplift. They don't bring freedoms to to people, it is all political maneuvers and corruption.
So what are the next steps for you? What's next on the docket for you? We are moving out to Idaho and we plan to, so we've been homeschooling for five years now, four and a half, five years. Great. So we're, we're going to homeschool and we decide to homestead out there. So we want to be self-sufficient. Um, so we're, we're going to have big old garden, a uh, bunch of animals. Uh, we got some good friends out there that have, that have the same thoughts and, and actually Northern Idaho is a pretty unique place. Uh, the majority of the population, they are prior service. So prior military, uh, prior police officers, firefighters. Uh, so they, they are also freedom lovers that have served their nation, their community, their state. So great people up there. But yeah, I, my, my plan is to eventually open up a direct primary care clinic. For those that haven't heard of direct primary care, DPC, it is a, a membership-based program where you cut out the insurance. So you'd probably still want some catastrophic insurance for the what-ifs, but basically you, you just have your primary care doctor take care of all of your primary care needs and you pay for it yourself. Um, it's a rising um, way of, of practicing medicine in the United States and has really gained traction out on the East Coast and is gaining traction um, more from, you know, out West more. Um, but I think it has a lot of advantages over the current insurance-based fee-for-service program. So, I think it's amazing. And look into opting out of Medicare and doing paper charting because that can save you a huge overhead with all the electronic medical record keeping. Mm -hmm. Yes. And you also get the, yeah, the think... added benefit. You get the added benefit of not having electronic medical records that can never be hacked because they're paper in a cabinet that's locked in an office. And then you dispose of those after a certain number of years. Yeah, I think there's a lot of advantages for the patient, the doctor, for the community. On average, the numbers I've seen are on average in a fee-for-service, the, the traditional insurance-based medicine, you get seven minutes of face-to-face -face time. Now, if you're coming into your doctor and you have heart problems, lung problems, kidney problems, all sorts of problems, there's not much you can do in seven minutes, right? It's just, all right, let's refill your medications, go on your way. But in direct primary care clinics, you have fewer patients because you don't need to just fly through all the patients to, to get your salary and pay off your all your overhead fees, your support staff that need to bill and haggle with the insurance agencies. So you, you have fewer patients and so your average time is 30 minutes face-to-face -face time with a doctor. You can get a lot more done that way. Sounds wonderful. Sounds like you're going to have a lot of freedom in your future. I'm hoping. Kyle, thank you so much for your stand, for your faith, for your leadership. I'll be praying, and I hope the listeners and the viewers will be praying for you in your future that things go right, and you are continued to be led wherever God wants you to be, to make that impact wherever he puts you. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Yeah, and thanks for letting me on the show. I appreciate you for all you've done, not only personally for me, reaching out to me, 
given me that support, giving me in touch with others that, that can support and help me, but also for your voice with this podcast. I think you've reached a lot of people and have given them hope and support and strength. And also for the voice for God that that you are. I appreciate that you bring God into everything because he should be in everything. Yeah, because I, I would not be able to make this stand. My family wouldn't be able to withstand this pressure if we didn't have God close in our lives. And God bless you. Thank you so much. Hey, thank you. You take care, okay? Just a reminder for everyone out there, duty uniform of the day, the full armor of God. Let's all make courage more contagious than fear.